There we go. Hey, hello and welcome to Hag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're going to be talking a little about data management. If you've got any questions about that or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's happening in your farm right now, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You could also email us, radio at agphd.com, or you can send us a note on Twitter if you'd like to, Media or Brian Hefty. So my brother Darren's out today. You've just got me here. And when it comes to this data management thing, it's something that I have been doing in our operation for many, many years. But let's put it this way. Uh, There are a lot of different systems out there. There's a lot to know. And it's kind of exciting, too, because very often on the farm, it's a generational thing. So grandpa's still working, dad's on the farm, and the kid or kids are getting back in. And a lot of times I'll hear from the dad or the grandpa, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to keep the kids busy and all this kind of stuff. We're looking for other things for the kids to do or kid, whatever. And this is one of the things I often bring up. It's data management or anything on the tech side, because it certainly feels like, hey, if I get a problem with some tech thing, I literally can call a 12-year-old over, and they're probably going to know more than myself at age 54. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that I uh, don't look at a lot of these things and know a fair amount of stuff, but my point here is there. This is a relatively easy way for a lot of young people to get involved in agriculture, and it's something that a lot of older people are not as comfortable with. So I I get excited just because we love seeing that next generation come onto the farm, and if it's something that can add value immediately, well, that's awesome. So anyway, we'll talk about data management throughout the show today. Right now, we're going to get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, so this is uh, just the other day. Mike had sent in this question about uh, basically purslane not working very well. And so our simple answer was just, hey, make sure you are using a high rate of Roundup and a low rate of water. So anyway, Mike sent us a response here, and he said, I've already tried to concentrate the solution to a high level. Um And I I have literally torched the plant, but it still seems to grow. I torched it until it's pretty much black, he said. The cell walls are completely broken, yet it still grows. Okay, I I, want to talk about this in a little more detail because I got a question from an agronomist this morning, too. He called up and he said, yeah, I, I got a guy who wants to kill his alfalfa today and seed mill it tomorrow. And I go, okay. Uh, and it, it, it's Roundup Ready Alfalfa, so so glyphosate's off the table. Well, you run into some of these issues where we, we can't always necessarily do what we would like to do out in the field. Like in his case, would I have loved to burn that down with Roundup if it wasn't Roundup Ready Alfalfa? Yes. Would I have loved to have gone even with dicamba or a really high rate of 2,4-D to burn that alfalfa down? Yes. But if you're going to seed millet tomorrow, I'm just afraid that the 2,4-D or dicamba is going to impact negatively impact that millet. So anyway, the agronomist asked me, well, could I just use gramoxone? And I said, here's the thing. The gramoxone is going to burn it to the ground. So just about like Mike's comment here in this purse lane where we say, oh, it looks completely black. 
we burn it to the ground. I mean, I we see like in ditches, for example, people will literally burn them off. What happens? Did we kill the plant? No, we didn't. So what I'm concerned about is what are we doing? Is there anything else in there? If it's just Roundup, like on this purslane, purslane, a lot of times it's hard to get anything into the plant for a couple of reasons. Number one is you got a waxy leaf. Okay, so if you've got a waxy leaf, that means that we need to keep that water volume really, really low. And like for Mike here, I don't know how concentrated you've made it, but we want to run with a very low roundup rate. So whatever the minimum is on the label, two gallons, five gallons, whatever it is, uh, per acre, not per uh, 100 square feet or something, but per acre, two to five gallons. And then you want to run with the highest labeled rate of glyphosate, and then hopefully that's going to work. Now, we'd mentioned ammonium sulfate because it's possible that we're getting some tie-up on some of the from some of the hard, hard water ions in there. The other thing, and I, I said there are a couple of reasons why purslane could potentially be hard to kill, even if it's just straight Roundup, sometimes we get these weeds get a thick wax on them, especially if it's been hot and dry. Well, I, I see purslane quite often really thick wax on there. So you may need a little bit of crop oil or methylated seed oil to burn through that wax and get the herbicide down in there. Anyway, I, I know it's it it gets a little complicated, and you just want a simple answer on this. That's I, I guess that's one of my thoughts. But the other thing that I'll throw out here is let's just say, for example, that somebody is trying to kill a perennial weed. I'll even go back to uh, the alfalfa conversation. Okay, a lot of times what I see is guys say, well, you know what, I'm going to run a quart and a quart, a quart of 2,4-D and a quart of Roundup, and I'm going to kill my alfalfa. And then they don't get the best kill, and there's a bunch that comes back in the spring or if they spray in the spring after a few weeks, whatever. Here's what can end up happening too. So this is why we have to be careful about what we mix in the tank. 2,4-D works fast. Roundup works slow. So what we've seen a lot of times on perennial weeds, when you've got a combination of Roundup and 2,4-D, is the 2,4-D will shut the plant down before the Roundup gets the opportunity to go all the way through the extensive root system of a perennial weed. So therefore, quite often, we'll tell people, leave the 2,4-D out or decamba or whatever, just go with straight Roundup at a high rate because you don't want that plant shutting down prematurely. Anyway, we, weed control sometimes could be a little more complicated than just, oh, hey, just use this herbicide, whatever, it's fine, you're going to be okay. Uh, you you got to go in a little more depth if you're having problems like Mike was with that purslane. So again, my suggestion on that, high rate of Roundup, low rate of water, probably a little crop oil or methylated seed oil, and some ammonium sulfate, and hopefully that does the trick. Stay tuned, we'll talk data management right after this. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. 
Back with multi-year proven results, Torque drives performance. Unique to other biologicals, Torque can be applied with other chemistries. Use in furrow or side dress to increase mycorrhizal associations, enhancing root development. Learn more about Torque at thinkbiological.com or contact your local retailer and ask for Torque today. Novozymes BioAg, Think Biological. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here, live in the Morton studio. Today in the show, we're talking a little about data management. If you'd like to discuss that topic, or if you have any questions for us, you can give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. So first on the show, we got Ben Carlisle with us. He's with Case IH. Hey, Ben, how are you today? Doing good, Brian. How are you? Excellent. All right, so when we're talking about data management with Case IH, you have a lot of things going on. Uh, What is, let's say, the most popular topic in terms of data management there at Case IH? You know, when we when we think about data management, right, it's it's about getting that data out of the cab into the cloud, accessible from anywhere, you know, um, that you may be. So. You know, as as we progress and and move forward, uh, there's lots of places that our our data may be stored, and AFS Connect is a is a great place to bring all of that data together into to one single view. Okay, so tell us just a little bit more about that. What's new and different with AFS Connect, and how many of your systems are linked up with that? So some of the, the newer things that we have going on is we are uh, rapidly increasing our API connections with third-party companies. So we've had uh, here in the last, I don't know, four or five months, we've probably added uh, six partners, which is, which is great, and, and we look forward to working with many more uh, third-party companies and then also uh, bringing that data into view with uh, elevation maps is a is a new feature that that we have and uh, we're, we're going to have a, a very large june 28th release uh coming up nice sure you don't want to make that a uh, july 27th release at the ag phd field day 
<laughs> well, I, you, you know, I, if I could, I would. But, no, I, uh, I'm, June, just, June I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, no, uh, I'll, su- su- sooner is always better. Okay, so I, I got another question for you. Uh-huh. Recently, Case IH bought Raven. Has that changed anything? Because Raven is a big tech company, and obviously they, they work with a lot of different systems. So it, how has that impacted your, your AFS Connect system? You know, that's, that's a great question. Um, so one of the, the main impacts that we've seen, uh, first off, is the connection between Slingshot and AFS Connect with mm-hmm. the direct API. So those uh, 50 series sprayers that are, are connected, that data is coming, coming across uh, very easily into AFS Connect. So that's something that we haven't had. You know, when you look more long term, uh, to your point, Raven is an excellent technology company. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's lots of things taking place right now behind the scenes uh, of, of integrations that I think our customers are, are really going to find beneficial to easing uh, data management and operation on, on their farms. So with AFS Connect, uh, in terms of getting it into the cloud, what if a farmer doesn't have good cell phone service or a wireless or I mean anything like that how how does that work exactly if because I mean we farm in rural well obviously most farms are in rural area very rural areas and sometimes right. those connections are horrible when you're out in the field so how does that work during the day yep so if you do not have good cell service uh, the the device the PCM, on the tractor will store that data uh, until you get good service. Uh, and there is a specific feature coming in June 28th release uh, that is, is really going to, I say, make life a lot easier good. Uh, if you don't, don't have cell service. Yep, that's what we're always after. Ben, anything else you want to leave us with today in terms of data management? You know, if, if you're interested in AFS Connect, uh, I'd uh, encourage you to go to caseih.com to to take a look at it or reach out to your local Case IH dealer. All right, that's Ben Carlisle with Case IH. Ben, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. All right, let's head over to Illinois. Got Fisher on with us with a question about drain tile. Hey, Fisher, how's it going? Uh, it's Christian, but um, oh, Christian. Okay, sorry. Uh, I had I had more of a question on like compaction. Sure, um, go ahead. I was, uh, me and my brother, we were digging up like a, uh, a broken drain tile and it yep. like recently I've just realized that the ground's been more compact or at least it seems a lot more, com- or it seems a lot more sure. compact than normal. Yep. Like after like an inch or two deep and we do like fall tillage, we do chisel plow and we do spring tillage as well. I didn't know if that was like more of like a nutrient thing in the soil that's causing that or I, I, I just kind of wouldn't wanted your guys' thoughts on that. Yes. Um, so do you have soil test results? We do. I don't have them on hand, but okay. we do. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. If you want to send those to us, radio at agphd.com, I'll take a look at them quick. But a lot of times when ground gets compacted fairly easily, we find that it's low in organic matter, it's low in calcium, and then if, it, if you're saying, hey, we do have tile out here, 
either the tile wasn't working great or maybe it was working just fine and we still got out there just a little earlier than we probably should have at different times. And I, I, I mean, no judgment or anything. We do the same thing sometimes. We're trying to do the best we can. Sometimes we create more to, more compaction than we like. But the more right. organic matter you have and the more calcium you have, a lot of times we can alleviate those things. It gets to be a little bit less. So, yes, it very well could okay. be a nutrient thing. Uh, I'd, I'd just like to see the soil test. Right, right. Yeah, I could probably try to do that for you guys. Sure, that'd be great. Um, and then, like, another question I had was, if you guys have time, sure. uh, what are your guys' thoughts on, like, sprint? So, our farm, we haven't, on our home field, we haven't planted corn for 20 years. It's all been soybeans. Wow. Okay. What is so I don't really have a whole lot of experience with corn, but what do you guys think about spraying corn at like V three? Is that okay? Uh, I, th- I, I think we're doing like Callisto and Roundup and yes. um, Atrazine. Yes. Uh, yep, that's a mix that we will often do ourselves at around that V three timing. It's absolutely no problem. So uh, okay. we we like seeing weeds killed as early as possible. And we don't like spraying herbicides real late on the crop. It just gets harder on the crop the later you get. At V3, you should be just fine. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, guys. You bet. Thanks for calling in, Christian. All right. Let's head down to Georgia next. Got James calling in from down there uh, with a question about fungicide. Hey, James, how are things in Georgia today? Well, it's good today. We're not getting any rain. Now, a lot of times where I'm from, where it's a awfully dry country, we say it's a good day when we are getting rain. But anyway, hey, what's yeah. your uh, what's well, your what's your fungicide fungicide question? When is the best time to put it on corn? My corn right now is in a week; it'll be silking and tossing. Okay, and I'm putting uh, some nitrogen through the pivot on it, and I want to know when would when is your idea of the best time to put a fungicide on? What disease have you had disease problems in the past? Not yet, but we normally have southern rust. That's what we fight the most. Okay, so a lot of times, what we're well, I'll just say what we're always trying to do with a fungicide is think of a couple of things. Number one, it's only going to last in that plant two to three weeks. And number two, we've got to be on the early side. So we don't want to see our our plants all loaded up with southern rust and then go spray and think we did a good thing. We were too late. So I'm not sure on when it's going to hit you. But if you think you've got a week, a lot of people do wait until full tassel in that plant. So that's, I would say that's the most common timing for spraying. But you could spray right now if you wanted to, if you feel like, hey, this next two to three week time frame, that's going to hit me the best. You will, We will find a few high yield farmers who are spraying twice now in their corn. They're spraying pre-tassel, like a week or two pre-tassel, and then they spray about three weeks later. If you're just trying to get by with one shot, my suggestion is I'm probably thinking about it any time between now and the next 10 days or so. It'll be okay if it's in full tassel. Absolutely. Yep, it will. If you're spraying before full tassel, then you have to use an APE, NPE-free surfactant. That'd be the only thing. Hey, James, thanks a lot for calling in. Appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. My mom's got a new case ice tractor, and it can do it all. They'll hate all day. 
See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Nothing but net. Win your soybean season with the fast knockdown and lasting broad-spectrum control of Elevest Insect Control from FMC. Take on army worms, stink bugs, soybean loopers, and more with the maximized ratio of premier active ingredients for better overall control of more than 40 labeled pests. Visit your FMC retailer or elevest.ag.fmc.com to up your game this season. Always read and follow all label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Thanks for listening today to Ag PhD Radio. My name is Brian Hefty. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we're talking data management on the show. If you'd like to call in, our number is 844-44-AG-PHD. So next on, we got Jared Oaks with us. He's from down in Kansas, and he is uh, TopCon's senior product manager. Hey, Jared, how are you today? Doing just fine, Brian. Get, getting ready for the big holiday weekend. How about yourself? <laughs> Uh, you know what? Since I was a kid, we've almost always worked on Memorial Day, and we've definitely worked the Saturday before Memorial Day. And I, every area is a little bit different, but there are a lot of guys around us still planting. We got spraying. We have, I mean, just so many jobs to do at this time of year. So I was always a little bit jealous of my friends going out on Memorial Day, and I was stuck at home working. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> let's let's talk about something a little more fun: uh, data management. Uh, 
Uh, so, so uh, this is this is a really big topic, and, and I, I could ask you lots of questions. But I guess I'd like to start with, uh, what would you like to bring up today when it comes to this data management uh, overall topic? I, I think I'd just like to echo your comments, Brian. It, it is a big topic. It's continued to be a big topic of struggle, really, for many producers for many, many, many years. Um, here at TopCon, we're offering a, a platform we call TAP. Uh, customers can check that out at tap.topconagriculture.com if they're interested. They don't need to own a TopCon console. They could stick with whatever console works best for them, but we're really working to solve those data acquisition, data access, data analysis, and really make precision agricultural data useful and usable for more stakeholders, Brian. I think that in kind of a nutshell really tells what we're all about here. Okay, so I'll just bring up the example of our farm. We have John mm-hmm. Deere, we have Case IH, we have Hagee, we have several other brands. So is that where your system fits more? Is Because, I mean, everybody's trying to pitch me on, well, I need to be all this one brand, so my stuff is a lot easier. But I don't find a lot of farmers where literally everything on the farm is all one brand. It, that's that's exactly the case. That is that is our sole focus is to aim a, a product offering at customers just like yourselves that need the flexibility and um, really open access to whatever's out there in the market. Maybe the Heggy is your choice of machinery for a specific reason. Uh, we understand customers aren't going to be able to be all one color in every single scenario. Of course, if they are lucky enough to be in that situation, maybe, or perhaps unlucky enough, um, yes, data management is less of a challenge for them. It's still a challenge, but it's less of a challenge for them because everything's uh, one color. Now, at TopCon and at TAP, we offer customers the ability to connect little devices we call cloud link devices uh, Brian, that's something customers can, can Google. They can just Google TopCon Cloud Link. We have a little device that can connect into their, you know, in your case, maybe you've got a, a little bit of Trimble, a little bit of Ag Leader, a little bit of, yep. you know, Deer, yep. a little bit of whatever. Mm-hmm. You can connect those things in, and then all that data automatically flows into one common storage repository. What, what we also find, Brian, is a lot of uh, growers such as yourself They've got trusted advisors and other stakeholders to really analyze that information. Really, all your goal would be is to just get it all in one place so the people who need to access it can when they need to access it. And maybe there's a prescription file or or whatever. So that's really the sole focus of the, the problem that we're working to solve here. You mentioned analysis. Tell us just a little bit about analysis and what you do with that. That just a fancy word for looking at maps, looking at reports. That's all that is, Brian. If we want to know how a variety performed, did a fungicide yeah. pay? Was the timing right on that insecticide? That's what I mean by analysis. You can you can uh, go all the way to Chat GPT four and think about analysis that way, or just like my father and my brother and myself, just like you guys. Sometimes we just look at maps, and the maps often confirm for us 
what we already knew, right? Because we're watching the corn, we're watching the beans, we're watching the wheat, we're, we're watching it every day, all season. But sometimes certain things you can't see with your eyes and you really might not even be able to see them on the yield monitor if you're talking about a, you know, one, two bushel difference, a little here, a little there, uh, seasonality, rainfall. There's so many factors. So we offer some simplified and automated uh, analysis tools for maps and averages, variety performance, things like that. All right, we've been talking with Jared Oaks. He's with TopCon, so you can check out his work again, tap.topconagriculture.com. Jared, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Brian. Have a great one. Bye. You too. All right, let's go next to Chris Seifert. He's in my state of South Dakota uh, and with CNB Equipment. Hey, Chris, how are things going for you today? Hey, I'm doing very well. How about yourself, Brian? Excellent. All right, so uh, one of the things we've started using on our own farm and with a few different things that we're doing is John Deere Ops Center. Uh, talk to us about that just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So John Deere Operations Center is really John Deere's management platform for data and all things machines. I think one of the things that really sets the John Deere Operations Center apart from a lot of the other competitors out there is the ability to monitor both agronomic data and machine data in that same exact platform. So, you know, being able to see exactly where the machine went in the field, see what the different yields were caused by, you know, differences in variety or agronomic trials, but, uh, you know, being able to also monitor and see what our fuel economy was as we're going across the field. What were different differences that we had between two different machines that were going across the field that caused one to get better fuel economy than the other? So one of my challenges has been I'm not the guy operating the equipment. We've got some guys that work for us on the farm. I got all these other things going on, and I want to monitor what's happening. But a lot of times it's a day or two or a week later sometimes before I actually get the data. So talk to us about how quickly this data is moving and how quickly people are able to see it, let's say, back in an office or back on the farm somewhere. Absolutely. So with the John Deere Operations Center, um, we use a lot of connected machines, which would be basically there's a cell phone portion within that tractor or that sprayer or that combine that is pushing data up to your Operations Center account. Um, when we're talking on agronomic data with a Gen 4 display, it's pushing it up every 30 seconds. It is also updating location every five seconds on a 4G MTG with a machine. So for you being able to sit in the office, you can see in near real time, what is the what are the ins and outs of your entire operation? And that's all from, from one, uh, one screen on that John Deere operation center. Uh, all right, so Chris, we got about just over a minute left. What else would you like to bring up today? Anything when it comes to this data management topic? Yeah, um, I mean, as we continue to head towards autonomy, um, continuing to grow towards being able to have, you know, driverless tractors. I know it seems far out, but it, <laughs> it really is coming fast, uh, fast and quickly here. So, um, getting on the data management seat, uh, you know, seat in the ballpark from from an agronomic standpoint as well as a machine management standpoint, it's going to be continuously important moving forward. So. Um, you know, we want to continue to to improve that and continue to manage that as much as we can now, so that it's less of a 
less of a growing curve later. Yeah, all these things kind of come just a step at a time. So you see more and more Mm -hmm. of the technology going. And I I mean, everything's been great, like with auto steer and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know where that's headed eventually, but it just takes lots of years of refinement. And that's kind of where I think we're at with this whole data management thing right now, too, is just working on fine tuning all this stuff. So once we go with autonomy, uh, we don't have disasters out there. Well, hey, we've been talking with Chris Seifert with CNB. Chris, thanks for the time today appreciate it hey my pleasure thank you very much you bet all right again we're discussing this data management topic today if you want to call in 844-44-AG-PHD is our number we'll be right back after this morton buildings has served the american farmer for more than 120 years From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. When you pull your side dress bar out of the shed, Do you dread the time and expense of replacing worn colders and bearings? There's a better way. Hi, Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. 360 Wide Drop for side dress bars is a quick, low-cost upgrade that cuts maintenance costs. Plus, you're likely to get a yield boost from moving nitrogen from the middle of the row to the root zone. Save time, money, and boost yield potential with 360 Wide Drop Side Dress. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Are you ready? We got the need, the need for seed treatment. Start your engines. Ready, set, Intego. Start your season strong with Intego Sweet Soybeans, Intego Fungicide Soybeans, and Intego Sweet Cereals OF from Valent USA. Ask your Valent rep about seed treatment solutions or visit valent.com slash Intego. Always read and follow label instructions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio today, talking data management on the show. And we're going to go right back to the phone lines. Got Aaron Doran calling in from Iowa with Sound Ag. Hi, Aaron. How are things for you today? Doing good. How are you? Excellent. All right. So talk to us just a little bit about what Sound Ag is doing when it comes to this data management and field management end of things. Yeah, so sound in general, we're trying to have as much data management and data in as possible with the products we're applying and the trials we're doing just so we have a really solid picture of how our product works in each region and each area. So we're tracking clear through the season and really looking at all the diversity across the U.S. and trying to place it correctly. Okay, so let's get a little more specific. What what are you doing to get that data, and and how are you then uh, applying it? So, I, I mean, how are you using that to to move things forward? Yep. So, first off, we any data connection you have is really helpful. So, my John Deere climate makes it really seamless to pull it over and get all of your planting data, your spray data, nitrogen data, and look at that whole season picture. And then at the end of the year, how we're looking at it, we look at soil types, OM, CEC of those fields, and look at where we are a huge benefit of replacing that 25 pounds of nitrogen or 25 pounds of phosphorus, and where you get the biggest bump from doing that with applying source. So what have you learned so far from all that? Yeah, so um, lower OM, lower CEC, some of our rougher soil types have actually proven to have a way bigger yield bump, even with lowering those nitrogen and phosphorus rates. Mm-hmm. So that's where we can take some of those rougher fields that maybe you don't have as big of an ROI on and give you a bigger bump in those rougher soil types. Well, it makes sense to me because I don't think very many people realize how much nitrogen and phosphorus comes out of soil organic matter every year. So a lot of times you talk to the neighbors and you say, well, I'm only putting on this much, this many pounds of nitrogen or phosphorus. And you go, well, I guess if they're doing it, I can probably get by with that. But if you have a lighter soil, lower organic matter, lower CEC, um, you're not getting maybe the free nitrogen and phosphorus that the neighbor is. So, uh, yeah, to me, that totally makes sense. So what else has stood out to you in the research? Uh, one of the big things that stands out to us, so we do tissue sample tracking and soil sample tracking in some of our strip trials all year long as well. Um, and the big things we've found in there are just the huge bumps in our micronutrient levels as well, um, which is something we don't always think about. But you go back to that leaky bucket scenario of what's your most limiting factor. Um, and so it's not just about your nitrogen and phosphorus levels, but you got to consider your sulfur, your zinc, your boron as well. And the bumps we've ever been able to see that we can pull out of the soil by making those microbes work harder has been a big win for us out in the last two years. So are you saying that you have to have good levels of the other things and basically either nitrogen or phosphorus needs to be a yield limiting factor in order to see response with your product? Not necessarily. So it's not if it's a yield limiting factor. So we look at we can replace 25 pounds of nitrogen or 25 pounds of phosphorus to still get you those good yields. But you know as well as I do, if you are lacking in sulfur, you're lacking in zinc, 
you can pump as much nitrogen phosphorus out there to it, but you're still going to be holding back your yield. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's it. That is spot on with what we've found with our research with these nitrogen replacement products, especially haven't done a lot of work in the phosphorus replacement products yet. But again, we've been talking with Aaron Doran here with Sound Ag, and you can check out uh, their information at uh, sound.ag. They've got the product Source Corn that we did some research work with a year ago. Aaron, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Yep, thank you so much. You bet. All right, let's head out to the state of Maryland. Got our friend Temple Rhodes with us out there. He's with the Extreme Ag Group. Temple, what's happening in your area today? Man, I'm on top of an irrigation system right now trying to get it running. You know, uh, we're, we're fighting an electrical issue right now. Well, that doesn't sound like fun. I hope you're uh, you're safe up no, on top of that yeah. irrigation system. Yeah, so. <laughs> I got a I got a I got a multi meter in one hand and a phone in the other one. <laughs> all, right, all right. So uh, anyway, let, let let's move on from the safety thing right now. But let's talk a little about da- about data management. Um, what would you like to discuss? You knew we were going to be talking about this today. You probably heard some of the stuff we've already been uh, been saying here on the show. I, I mean, what what's first and foremost for you when it comes to data management? Well, let's, uh, I mean, you can look at data however you want to look at it. Do you want to look at it like, you know, all the the technical stuff that we have in there? You know, everybody's got yield monitors. Everybody's got, you know, some kind of data management in their tractors and planning Mm -hmm. and stuff. But that data, one, is only as good as the person that's putting it in there, right? So, like, every one of the trials and stuff that we do, on-farm trials, it's all plugged in there, and then at the end of the year, we sit down and we analyze exactly what has been done, you know, whether it's an infer treatment or if it's treatment on the sprayer or a foliar or whatever, and we can help track those things, and we can start to figure out if there is a ROI on them. Because, you know, a lot of these things that we're, we're buying, we're buying a product from somebody that we're going off the word of somebody else. Yep. But there's a lot of money that's hidden in that data, whether it's good money or bad money. It's money hidden in it. So, um, you know, another data uh, tool is, you know, tissue samples, for example. You know, we've we've always talked about tissue samples are a great tool, but if you want to chase that tail of that that ghost, that it's a hard thing to do. But like that data that you have from this year or years previous, you know, like we use our tissue samples this year on, let's say, you know, V5 corn, and we we write down exactly, you know, the weather it was, when it was taken, where we were at on that on that year, because we really don't change our programs that much, our fertility programs. But then we'll we'll start to learn that with that data that we've collected in years previous, how to bring that forward and how to get in front of it. So that's what the whole thing's about. And like I said, there's a, there's a ton of data out there, and there's a ton of management that needs to be done. And there's a lot of stuff that we're just kind of leaving on the table, and it's a lot of money to be left on the table, I think. Yeah, and you know, you brought up a great point right away. It depends a little bit on the person. And so I think about this all the time. Soil sampling, how you do it makes a difference. How you calibrate your machines, because yes, you're right, we do all have yield monitors. Are we calibrating them? Uh, I, I think about the tissue sampling that you mentioned. Well, if you pull the wrong leaves, you might get dramatically different results. 
even with trials that we're doing, if somebody, let's say, runs over a row or something happens there, uh, let's say the operation somehow got messed up, all of a sudden your data is skewed. And so then when you get to the end of the year, like you're talking about, and you want to analyze all the data, well, if you're not looking at good data, then what good did it do you? It's, it's not much good at all. Like That's I said, right. it's, it's only as the, good as the person putting it in. And it is a tedious job. You know, when you've got a couple planners out there going for a lot of these bigger guys, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's hard for, you know, it's, it's a training thing. You know, we're, we're, you're training all these guys, hey, look, this has to go in. This has to be done. This has to be calculated. And I get myself very upset, like, when we miss something. And, and people are like, why are you so upset? And I'm like, because without that data put in wrong, I'm another year behind. And I think about it all the time when we have trials that we've been talking to people about all season long, and then, well, I was in a hurry, so I just combined right through that. (laughs) So I know exactly what you're talking about. We've been there many times. Temple, anything else you want to leave us with when it comes to data management? We've got about 30 seconds left. Nope, just there's a lot of money left in that data. Don't forget to look at it. I agree with you 100%. Again, that's Temple Rhodes from Mountain Maryland. He's part of the Extreme Ag Group. Uh, Temple, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. See you later. You bet. All right, so just to wrap up on the data management side, one of the last points that I made there is please do a good job as much as you can calibrating, pulling your soil samples correctly, pulling tissue samples correctly. The more you can follow the procedure, and it's not necessarily my procedure or somebody else's, it's you and how you want to do it, and then you've got to be consistent with that all the way through. So as long as you have consistency, then you should be good. So for example, you don't have to pull a six-inch core. If you want to pull five-inch cores, just pull five-inch cores everywhere and keep doing that year after year after year. So just consistency, that's the big thing. Then you can really start comparing and analyzing that data. We'll get more back. Sorry, we'll get back to the Ag PhD mailbag next. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrisha N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. You understand there are ways to boost your yield, but can you do it while reducing your inputs? With Plant Insights, powered by Prospera, you can. With center pivot mounted cameras to monitor crop health, Plant Insights captures thousands of leaf level images with each pivot rotation. Growers receive reports to mitigate issues like pests, weeds, emergence, disease, and more. Put inputs where they matter most. Contact your local Valley dealer today or visit agtechonthefarm.com. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. 
You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. Get uniform control in your fields with trusted, hardworking Lucento fungicide. Control the toughest diseases with a dual mode of action fungicide that consistently outperforms the competition and field trials. Lucento fungicide from FMC works overtime for lasting control to help improve crop yields. Talk about getting the job done. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com for hardworking control in your fields. Always read and follow all legal directions. CNB, your local John Deere dealer, is committed to helping you in the field. The CNB Support Center brings you machine monitoring, remote diagnostics, and guidance from expert technology specialists all season long. Learn more about what the CNB Support Center can do for you at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Back to the Ag PhD mailbag. Next question comes in from Kevin. He says, are there any herbicides, insecticides, or fungicides that cannot be tank mixed with the biological product decomp? What about Paraquat? Would the Paraquat damage or kill the bacteria in the decomp? All right, so Kevin, here's the problem. Uh, number one, a lot of times these microbial products that all the different companies are selling, they don't get tested with specific pesticides. And even if they do, the challenge is what's in there for inert ingredients last year, this year, next year with those pesticides. Here's an example. So one of the things we look at is what's the weight of the bulk chemical for, I don't care if it's Roundup, Harness, uh, you name the product, doesn't matter. We look at a lot of these these chemical weights. And I, I realize this is getting uh, real nerdy here, and we get down to the details and, you know, how many exact pounds do we need? Because we look at pounds more than we look at gallons. Uh, so it, anyway, long story short, during the COVID time period and over these last couple of years, there have been a lot of the bulk chemical weights that have changed. I'm like... Hey, what's going on? So I've talked to some of the companies and I go, wait a second here. You've had the same product out for 20 years and the bulk chemical weight was the same just about this whole way through. And now all of a sudden it's changed. Let me guess. <laughs> Did you change one of the inerts? And sure enough, yes. And the, the problem is supply constraints, costs, all that kind of thing. So what I'm trying to tell you here is, well, the active ingredient may remain the same and you may test an active ingredient, let's call it glyphosate. You say, okay, we're going to test glyphosate with this microbe. That's fine. But well, what if you buy Roundup this year? What if you buy whatever, somebody else's brand next year? And what if all of a sudden either of these brands, any of these brands, changes their formulation just slightly? Now there actually could be something in that that could harm that, that microbial product. So I think you can see where I'm going here. We don't really like seeing pesticides mixed with biological products 
as much as we can help it. Now, I get it that sometimes you go, look, I only have one shot. I'm just going to try this. We're going to see if it works. You give it a shot. Okay. I Perfectly fine. But all I'm suggesting here is it might not be great. And I would definitely throw in that biological at the last minute rather than letting it sit in the tank for hours. The, the less time you have it together in that tank, the better chance you have for survivability. All right, next one here is from Harry, just a comment. He says, I've been following you guys for the past 10 years. I'm only a hobby farmer, but my grandparents were, as he as he says here, land people, and it jumped my parents. But I rode the drag when my grandparents were, were cropping tobacco. It's hard to imagine a mule in the field. You know, I think about that every once in a while because I've got some old pictures of my grandpa, one of my grandpas, both of my grandpas were farmers, uh, but one of them uh, scooping, uh, let's see, it was hay, and they had a horse in front of their their, their wagon. And I'm going, oh, man. <laughs> I just, I cannot imagine uh, needing to take care of horses or mules or whatever it is. We have things so good. And it's something I, I, I tell people all the time, too. If you ever start thinking, oh, life is tough, or boy, we have it hard nowadays as farmers, um, go to a third world country, and you can probably see how we farmed here a hundred years ago. So I, 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 I guess I'll, I'll just say I think we all need to be very, very, very appreciative of what we have. I think it's pretty amazing, and we are lucky to be living in this time that we are right now. All right. Uh, now, not everybody thinks that way. So, for example, I was just going to pull this one out. Uh, this is from Nico, who said, because we were talking on our television show about no-till. And obviously, when you're doing no-till, then you're going to have to have some different equipment to get the seed in the ground and everything else. Uh, and sometimes it's, you know, a big tractor, big planter, whatever it is. And Nico said here, these are big, disgusting machines. Everyone on earth needs to work for their own food, period. Um, Nico, uh, that's that, that just doesn't happen anymore. So we can wish that all we want, but life's good and improving. And I, I, I guess I don't really know what more to say. But we're not going back to the dark ages, and everybody isn't going to produce their own food. It's one of the reasons we've been able to advance in society and create a lot more things because not everybody has to be a farmer. Like here in the United States, we're down to less than 1% of us are farmers. So 1% feed the other 99%, and I think it's going to go even further than that. All right, Stephen here has a comment on harvest road safety because uh, we were talking about that recently. He says, I have a slow-moving vehicle emblem on my garden tractor because it technically makes me road legal because that has a top speed of not more than 25 miles per hour. Uh, so even that it, even though it's a lawnmower, lawnmowers are considered farm equipment. However, the garden tractor setups that I have are basically a subcompact tractor uh, that's uh, small as it is homemade. So yes, we got to be thinking about safety. I don't care if we're talking about a lawnmower. We're talking about a great big tractor. Doesn't matter. All super, super important stuff. And there should never be anything that is more important than safety. Thankfully, that was something that our dad really impressed upon us when we were growing up. He's like, look, there's always time for safety. And then the other thing is, 
uh, we had basically set working hours. He wouldn't let us work more than about 14, 15 hours in a day because he goes, look, if you get tired, that's usually when safety starts going out the window and we are not going to get hurt here. We're going to be really careful, really diligent, and we're not getting hurt. So anyway, that was a big deal for him and thankfully it was. All right, next one here is from Jason. He says, uh, hi guys, I wrote in a few days ago about a herbicide question on a rye soybean relay crop here in East Central Iowa. I thought uh, you guys like to see this and, and what we did. So we had a rye grain yield of 31 bushels per acre on the relay strip. So basically what he's doing is he's he has rye that he seeds in the fall, then he harvests in the spring, then plants soybeans. Anyway, he said there was a $6 per acre herbicide cost on the relay strips versus $59 per acre in the non-relay strips. Now, to me, $59 seems awfully high. Maybe maybe we could have helped you cut that cost a little bit, uh, Jason. But anyway, he says here, Brian mentioned he was skeptical about this practice of rye. You're going to harvest that in the spring, and then you're going to have soybeans in Iowa. Yes, I am going to still be skeptical, and here's my concern. Just like in his case, they lost 10 bushels. Okay, you know, if you're able to get 31 bushels of rye and you generate revenue that way, you can keep the weeds down and maybe cut your cost a little bit on herbicide. I'm not saying it's an, it's a bad practice necessarily. What I brought up during the show and when we did talk about this the first time was simply this. We've seen this happen before and guys do this exact thing. I, I mean, I've been in agronomist for well over 30 years now. And if you have a dry spring and a dry summer, sometimes it's not a 10 bushel loss, sometimes it's a 30 bushel loss on those beans. So that's what I get real worried about. It's much easier to do it if you're in eastern Iowa where you get almost double the rainfall that we do, or if let's say you have irrigation. But that's one of the biggest things I'm concerned about. The second thing I'm concerned about is what we don't have figured because he, he did say, okay, we cut herbicide costs, but how many more nutrients did we pull out of that ground between the rye and the soybean, because the soybean crop was still pretty good. So how many more nutrients did we pull out and how much does it cost to replace those nutrients? We got to look at all the factors here. I, again, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with this practice. I'm always encouraging people to try to figure out the best way to make money on your farm, improve the soil, do the right things. That's all great. But we just also have to all the time look at, okay, what's the downside and what's my risk? And if it's a risk you're willing to take, perfectly fine. But if you don't understand that risk going in and all of a sudden you get caught, and this is another thing we always have talked about here on the show, is if you're going to do a newer practice on all your acres, whew, that is tremendous risk. And so I'm just, I, I'm always going to encourage everybody out there to walk before you run with anything new you're doing on the farm and talk to other people that are doing that practice if they're, if you can find people uh, and try to look not just at all the benefits, but look at the potential downside risk that there is as well. And hey, if it's right for you, great. If you start small and things are, are working out good over a few years, fine. That then, then go with it on more acres. Awesome. That, and hopefully that continues to work out for you, Jason. And thanks a lot for giving us a little more information on that. We appreciate it. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to Alex. He was producing the show for us today. Thanks to everybody who called or wrote in with questions. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now stay tuned for Rob Sharkey and Shark Farmer Radio.